Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, join Gabriel and his food hero guests on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so happy to have Julia Gartland of Sassy Kitchen here on the show today. Julia is a self-taught cook and baker, photographer, food stylist, and recipe developer. On her blog, Sassy Kitchen, she shares gluten-free seasonal recipes and is always on the lookout for the best gluten-free version of everything. Sassy Kitchen was a finalist in the 2014 Sever Blog Awards for Best Special Diets Blog and is nominated again in 2015 for Best Photography. Thank you so much for being here today, Julia. Hi, Gabriel. Thanks for having me. Hi, Julia. It's nice to have you. Now, Julia, you're a self-taught cook and baker. When did you start to learn and bake? I like to always cook and bake as a kid. I think it wasn't anything too crazy, but I think I loved having like independence, being able to do that. But I got more seriously into food later when I had health and digestive problems and I had to find a way to feed myself. So I found out I was gluten intolerant and decided to go vegan at the same time. So my options were very limited and I felt kind of inspired by those restrictions and it gave me an opportunity to try so many new foods. Right. Now, before you had these food sensitivities, were you interested in food already or were you more sort of just eating whatever? I was always into food. I liked eating really healthy. I like was raised in California. I loved like hippie food and Mexican and I was always really into it, but it kind of took a turn when it became like more about health. Right. Now, was there someone who encouraged you towards food? I don't know if I had any real like cooking mentors in my early days. I definitely think I was inspired by the issues that I had with like Western medicine. I remember the first time I went to a Western doctor with all of my issues and I had all these like PDF printouts of everything I'd been eating and he didn't even want to look at it and just said, here's some medication, you have IBS and like sent me on my way. So I just felt like there's something bigger going on than this. Like, I totally believe that food is an opportunity to heal yourself. And that was kind of like what got me into it in a really real way. Cool. Now, for someone who is new to cooking and baking, what are some ideas on gaining momentum and actually learning new recipes, cuisines, or techniques? How did you do it? I mean, I'd always been into food, but I was definitely like forced to learn to cook in a new way because of all my dietary issues. But through that, I really fell in love with food. And I wanted to be like completely absorbed in it. And that's a really good way to learn anything. I find such inspiration from cookbooks and food blogs, like finding someone who's really committed to a certain way of cooking, whether it's like cultural or otherwise. Someone like Odalangi, who has a very specific sense of food, like that's so seductive and wonderful. But it's also really easy when you're really into it. Obviously, most of us are like trying to feed ourselves. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of home cooks are super worried like, how do you cook it? What do you do with it? That they forget the aspect of play. Like, it should be fun. It's also, like, not that hard. Like, Melissa Clark once said, you know, if you put a chicken in the oven and roast it, it'll taste good. So I think generally, like, not taking yourself so seriously, it's okay if you make something that's a disaster, although it probably won't be. Don't be afraid. Like, try new things. Read cookbooks. Follow recipes. Pay attention. And cook as much as you can. 
Yeah, I think totally that's the thing, right? Like a lot of the times home cooks, you know, we all have busy schedules and busy lives and we kind of just want to get like the food done. The food is kind of like a second sort of passing thought, whereas, you know, it can be a totally fun experience if we want it to be as well. I'm a fan of things like give yourself parameters on certain nights, like have a taco Tuesday. So you're like, okay, I know I'm making tacos tonight and you can just decide what kind of taco. And then that can be the fun aspect, you know? Right. Totally. Now, when you were sort of teaching yourself how to cook, was there a lot of trial and error? You know, can you share a time when you were cooking or experimenting and things didn't work out as planned? There are so many, but I have a really good infamous one. I mean, I'm definitely one of those people who just throws them in head first and like, I'll figure it out later. But the first time I decided I was going to cook a whole fish was for a pescatarian Thanksgiving that I was hosting. And I mean, Martha and Ina are scowling at me right now because it's the cardinal rule of hosting to never test a new recipe. But I decided to do it and I took the fish out. It's like perfectly cooked, but I had no idea how to debone it. I mean, I was like, I can't serve this to people. And I literally just left it on the stovetop and I was like, sorry guys, we're actually not having fish tonight. And I just like went on. <laughs> Did you have a backup plan or what? No, I was just like, well, I guess it's vegetarian. So sorry about that. But yeah, and I mean, with gluten-free baking, there's so many, it's like too many to know. But yes, it always happens. It happens to everyone. Right. Well, because I mean, gluten-free baking is a lot about like chemistry and science, right? Like, oh, yeah. Especially when you're taking out like the literal glue to the baking. I mean, it can get intense. So yeah, there's definitely a learning curve. Right. Now, when you were learning to cook and bake, were there some go-to resources that really helped you? Yeah. I mean, when I first started cooking and baking, I was vegan and gluten-free. So my sources were super specific. But in general... I think I would recommend sources like Bon Appetit, Epicurious, The Kitchen, and Food 52. They seem to have really good articles that kind of demystify cooking, and they go over actual techniques in a way that teaches you the fundamentals. Like, a few of them have a lot of articles about, like, cooking without a recipe and stuff like that that kind of, like, teaches you how to cook on the fly. I just think that those are really helpful resources, for sure. Awesome. Now, when did you decide to start documenting your food journey on Sassy Kitchen? When I first went gluten-free, the best and most helpful sources were definitely food blogs. That was where I was finding all of my recipes and information. They were such a godsend at the time. And through the process of changing my diet and trying all these new things, I craved to have the same platform to share my experiences. Right. Now, Julia, you're a photographer, recipe developer, and food stylist. Was this a path you were pursuing before the blog, or did the blog really help guide you towards this? No, not at all. I mean, I went to school for photography. I went to Parsons in New York. I was not shooting food or even still life at the time. Food or food photography was not on my radar at all in any professional way. But through doing the blog and loving it as much as I did, I found people really were responding to that work. And the first time I ever showed food work in a class at school, the guest teacher offered me a job shooting for a magazine. So I thought, maybe I should pursue this a little further. <laughs> wow, that's talent for you, for sure. I mean, you just have an eye for it, I guess, right? Well, I started in photography, but I will say food photography is completely different. I was not immediately good at it. I had to work it's a total learning curve and it's a lot harder than it looks, I will say. 
Right. Now, with everything that's involved with your blog, you know, from the writing, the photography, the recipe development, what comes the most naturally to you and what is the hardest part? I feel like it's different every time. My process is always kind of changing. Sometimes the recipe comes to me super easily and I'll have like a backlog of recipes that I need to shoot, but I have no idea how to make it beautiful or memorable in any way. And other times I have an idea for art direction, but maybe I'm not inspired by anything food-wise at the moment. I'll say generally the writing is probably the hardest part all the time. <laughs> I enjoy it, but sometimes you just don't have a compelling story for like roasted chickpeas. Like sometimes just a really good recipe you want to share, but you have nothing else to say. Maybe the, on those occasions, you just have the pictures up and the recipe and call it a day. I know. I'm just going to be like, and scene. Now, as you were experimenting with food, you tried different dietary plans. We talked a little bit about you being a vegan and you also tried a raw diet plan. And now you follow a completely gluten-free diet. I'm not familiar or super familiar with gluten-free sort of foods. Can you describe what gluten-free means to you? Well, I'm sure everyone's kind of heard of it by now. It's like a big buzzword since it's on every product now, like even hummus, which has always been gluten-free, says gluten-free on it. But I mean, it's technically like the elastic protein in wheat. It's what makes pizza and croissants so lovely. And it can also be in all of these other products like soy sauce and dressings, which it doesn't necessarily need to be there, which that's when I think it gets tricky for people and they're like, don't understand what it is. But there's also like a huge variety of gluten-free grains and products to choose from. I mean, I just saw the other day, like a quinoa kale puff popcorn product. I mean, like now is the time to be gluten-free if anything, because there's just everything. And I mean, rice is gluten-free. All rice products are gluten-free. A lot of people don't know that. I get asked that all the time. So yeah, I think you just have to know, but there are some things that are, when in doubt, like a piece of meat is always going to be gluten-free unless it's battered. You know, it's like, there's a certain aspect of just like logic to it, but it is, it is tricky for sure. Right. Yeah. Cause I go to the grocery store and I'll see stuff that says gluten-free, but like, I'm pretty sure it's just regularly gluten-free like there's no bready type stuff to this <laughs> now how has eating gluten-free helped with how you feel and your overall wellness i do feel a lot better than i used to like eating this way is definitely suits me i have some moments where i'm like reminded of all of the pain and discomfort i used to feel all the time so i'm definitely happiest when my diet's pretty strict and pure that being said it's still not perfect like i don't feel absolutely amazing and energized every single day but it's constantly evolving with what i feel best eating right now what are some common ingredients used in gluten-free cooking that people who aren't familiar with it may not be familiar with there's so many especially with baking i mean i'm obsessed with gluten-free baking flours my favorites of all time are definitely sorghum flour which i discovered super early on brown rice flour, almond flour, buckwheat flour, garbanzo bean flour. I mean, anything like that. There's so many, even like cornmeal, like things that you wouldn't think as being like gluten-free are so amazing to cook and bake with. And then things maybe you wouldn't have heard of are things that you use kind of to mimic gluten, like xanthan gum and potato starch and tapioca flour and all that stuff. Okay, that sounds like way over my head right now. I'm going to have to Google some of this stuff later on. But they're so fun. Like, even if you're not gluten-free, like baking with buckwheat or something like that, it's just like a new thing you wouldn't maybe go towards. Oh, totally. 
Cool. And do they have different flavors or like, I'm sure they have different textures and stuff when something comes out. Yeah. Even like color. And I mean, like buckwheat is kind of like this dark grayish tint and it's like very beautiful though when you bake with it. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I love almond flour. I buy five pound bags of it off of Amazon and like use it very quickly. But yeah, I love anything with almond flour. It's super good. And they all have a very different but like lovely different flavor. Well, because I guess, I mean, if it's a flour that's made with almonds, it would taste significantly different than a flour that's made like a regular flour, like a white flour. And like, yeah, like you you can use garbanzo and fava bean flour in like baking sweets and stuff, which I've done before, but I usually use it for like savory things, like bean flours and stuff like that, because it just has those notes to me. Cool. Now, for someone who wants to learn more about gluten-free cooking or baking, are there some good online resources or books that they can check out? I love La Tartine Gourmand and Canelle Vanille are both really amazing sources of inspiration. I highly recommend both of their books, especially Small Plates and Sweet Treats by Erin Goyoga. Thank you, say. She's a trained pastry chef and she has this like amazing Basque influence on all of her recipes. They're super great. Also, Bojan Gourmet is a newish blog. She's another ex-pastry chef and she has a ton of super great gluten-free recipes as well. Here at the dinner special, we talk with food heroes about dinner dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and maybe the story behind the dish? I thought about this so much and I really could not find a super lovely recipe answer for this. But I will say that I have had a lot of really lovely meals at this restaurant in Brooklyn called Franny's. And we always have like an amazing array of like amazing salads and cocktails. And it's super good. Awesome. Well, if you were to take three famous people over to Franny's, who would you take? Could it be a double date with my boyfriend and Ina and Jeffrey? Because that would be a dream. Of course. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Ina and Jeffrey because my wife loves that couple too. And she's just like, they look like the sweetest, happiest couple that you'll ever meet and ever find. Oh, they're like happier than I've ever been. I just want to be them. They're so lovely. Now, let's say that you had Ina and Jeffrey over and you guys were going to do dinner and a movie. What movie would go well with a dish that you would prepare for them? I would let Ina pick and it would probably be a super sassy rom-com and we would drink dirty martinis. And what would Jeffrey and your boyfriend be doing? They'd just be chilling out. Right. It would be a foursome for sure. You know Jeffrey will watch a rom-com. That's true. Now, Julia, after a rough day, what is your ultimate comfort food? Chips, guac, tacos, margaritas is my go-to every time. Or like a gigantic bowl of pad thai. Sounds awesome. Now, I call the next part of the dinner special podcast the pressure cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? I'm up for it. Okay, awesome. Now, number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? Well, I don't really watch any shows besides Ina, obviously, but I need to stop name dropping her. But I'm the biggest podcast person. I love America's Test Kitchen. I have such a soft spot for them, and I feel like no one gets how great they are. I love Splendid Table and Heritage Radio Network and Good Food on KCRW, and obviously the dinner special as well. 
Yay! Awesome. <laughs> Number two, what are some food blogs or websites we have to know about? I am in love with Amy Chaplin. I recently got her book and went through like a food renaissance because her recipes are just so like lovely and like hippie superfood. They just are so lovely. I so recommend her, and her blog is amazing. And, you know, I keep coming back to Heidi Swanson of 101 Cookbooks. Like, she is still so relevant and amazing. And I'm just always inspired by her essence. She's, like, living my dream life. Number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, or Facebook that make you happy? Well, I'm into Instagram. That's my favorite thing. So on Instagram, I recently followed the chicks from Broad City who are super fun. I've mostly been loving like non-food ones lately, like Sight Unseen and Academy of New York and Niche is a great one where they just post like quotes from like creative artists and all the stuff and uh, official Sean Penn, which is just funny and great. Awesome. And you can draw inspiration from them as well, right? Because I mean, why not? Number four, what is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen? My favorite things are probably... My boyfriend has gotten me ceramics as gifts over the years. Um, that was one of the first things he ever bought me. And they're definitely my treasured pieces. Great. Now, number five, name one ingredient you used to dislike and you now love. Capers and olives. I hated until I was probably 20 years old, but now I almost always have them in my fridge. I love them. Yeah. Was there something about how they tasted or was it just because they were so strong in flavor? Yeah, I don't know. I think I was not into that brininess. And then I went to Spain with my family and they just serve green olives on every table like it's bread. And I just like kept trying thinking if I keep trying it, maybe something will click. And it did. So keep trying. Yes, absolutely. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better? I love anything by Nigel Slater. Alice Waters, the Canal House cookbooks, and as I mentioned before, Amy Chaplin, and I love Mimi Thorson's new book. Perfect. Now, finally, number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? It's got to be something on the upside. I mean, there's always music in my house. My boyfriend's a musician. He's constantly manning the record player, but for cooking, I think Elvis Costello always puts me in a good mood. Okay. Elvis Costello anything, right? Yeah. Okay, congratulations, Julia. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. Ah, great. <laughs> Julia, thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special Podcast. You're all over social media. What's the best way for us to keep up with what you're up to? On my blog, sassy-kitchen.com and sassykitchen on all handles, I guess. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, I'm on it all. Perfect. Well, Thank you so much again, Julia, for taking the time to chat with me. It's been a total pleasure and I've had tons of fun. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking. Mm -hmm.